to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Tuesday, November 22, 2022. President Salva is calling on the signatories of the 2018 peace agreement to implement tasks in the August roadmap. The discussions you will be holding in the next few days will certainly tie in the difficult topic on how to fast-track the implementation of the roadmap. And three people were killed during a road ambush on the Juba-Nimule Highway. Many people were injured and others jumped out of the vehicle through the windows. I was left in the vehicle because I'm sick and can't see well. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. President Salva Kiir is calling on participants at a governor's forum in Juba to focus their discussions on the implementation of the tasks stipulated in the new roadmap for implementing the revitalized peace agreement. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wudu reports from Juba. The discussions you will be holding in the next few days will certainly tie in the difficult topic on how to fast track the implementation of the roadmap 2022. My hope is that your deliberations will be beneficial to to the process of putting our country uh, permanently to path of peace. That is President Kerr at the opening of the Governor's Forum calling on partners in the transitional government to do more to reconcile the people of the country, rebuild the destroyed communities, and transition the country out of conflict. The president recognized the slow pace at which the peace deal is being implemented, saying genuine partnership among the parties is still missing. Nicholas Haysom, the United Nations Special Representative of the Secretary General in South Sudan and the Unimis Chief, also urged participants at the forum to implement the peace deal and address insecurity across the country. The roadmap relies on the revitalized peace agreement as the central framework to achieve a durable peace in South Sudan. Implementation is not merely a box-ticking exercise, and its success is heavily dependent on you, your leadership, that is the governors, your insights, your compromises, the civic space you respect, and your creative engagement. Haysom says persistent subnational violence in parts of the country must also be addressed, saying the violence negatively impacts the lives of citizens and the work of humanitarian agencies. The Unimis boss says governors are often the most critical change agents in securing solutions that are needed to improve implementation of the four-year-old revitalized peace deal. I encourage you to renew your commitment to public service, to maintaining your presence and accessibility in your jurisdictions, and personally lead from the front in your states. I particularly urge you to lead the charge in addressing the protection of civilians and peace consolidation in your respective states. Central Equatorial State Governor Emmanuel Adil spoke on behalf of his colleagues. To accomplish all this, 
the forums will be duty bound to chart another roadmap to ensure that all the stakeholders play their role for success, successful implementation of whatever decision it will be reached at the end of this forum. The Governor's Forum brought together governors from all 10 states and the heads of the three administrative areas. International partners are also attending the event in Juba. Participants are expected to discuss preparations for the 2024 elections, security and the constitutional review process, among other issues. For VON News, I'm Waki Simon Wudu in Juba. The South Sudan Police Service says at least three people were killed and 22 others were injured when a non-armed group ambushed passenger vehicles along Juba Nimule Road Monday. A survivor of the attack says three vehicles, including two buses, fell into an ambush between Nyarjebe and Demo villages of Juba County. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba. Eyewitness Majuk Arrow was traveling in a bonga bus to Nimli yesterday when he says his bus, a Golden Line bus, and a Toyota Noah felt in an ambush on the Juba Nimli Road. Arrow says the assailants fired AK 47s at the passenger vehicles and kept shooting until the vehicle clipped. Many people were injured and others jumped out of the vehicle through the windows. I was left in the vehicle because I'm sick and can't see well. So people scattered into the nearby buses and I stayed inside the car with the wounded and others feared dead. The soldiers who were nearby came with their vehicle and started shooting as well. And this was when the attackers ran away. South Sudan National Police Service spokesperson Major General Daniel Justins says three people were killed and at least 22 others were injured when unidentified gunmen attacked the three passenger vehicles. Gerald Justin says police and military forces were immediately dispatched to the scene, but no suspects have been arrested. We have forces on the ground and escorts from here. I mean, uh, reinforcement from Juba and Nimili reached the site and then they were pursuing the attackers. So, uh, the attackers uh, say they were armed in green uniform. Uh, then, uh, generally, after that, uh, we managed to control the situation. And then uh, the road was accessible after two. When we were traveling to Juba, coming from Nimili. Two injured Uganda nationals were rushed to the country for further treatment, according to Justins. Several deadly road ambushes have occurred in recent years along the Juba Nimli Highway, which is a major corridor for importing goods from neighboring countries. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Juba. United States Embassy in Juba hosted South Sudanese entrepreneurs to share their experience with students and wider audience through a Facebook live chat at the American Corner inside the University of Juba last week. Matata Shafi, an alumni of the International Visitors Leadership Program, 
for the year 2020. And the managing director of Hagana Agroprocessing Company says starting a business in South Sudan can be challenging. Juliana Shiapai attended the event and reports for VOA from Juba. Matata Safi, an alumni of the 2022 International Visitors Leadership Program, shared his experience with self-starters. Safi, who manages the Hagana Agro-Processing Company, says he first came to Juba from a refugee camp. He came only with the clothes on his back. All of us who have been refugees know what life is like. It's about poverty, it's about hunger, it's about diseases. And uh, I always kept you know, thinking that I must you know, uh, contribute to the welfare of my community. So when I came back to South Sudan in 2006, I tried to jump around to see how, you know, coming back with the only your, 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 your ten fingers, you didn't have anything. I tried a, a couple of things. I actually worked with the Minister of Information as a journalist. I, I, was, I, was, I was not trained as a journalist as such, but I, I, I'm supposed to be a teacher. I, that's my qualification. But um, I thought that was not where I belonged. So I started, you know, trying to see what I can do until... Uh, 2014, when I got a job uh, to work uh, with communities in the in the in the, in the budget chain for honey for a, a foreign company. Safi says it is difficult to get a loan from commercial banks in South Sudan as a small business. The two sources of funding: uh, one will be the you know going to knock at the doors of uh, commercial banks to give you loan. It comes down to what collateral do you have, you know, to, to ask for loan. If it's there. The most acceptable may be a land title or whatever, which most of us cannot afford. And my story was different. Safi describes how he overcame obstacles to find success even when he had no cash. With the business people, I remember sometimes we don't have the money at hand, but they say, no problem, we trust you. I will send my honey to you, sell. When you get the money, send it back to me. There's a lady called uh, Jacqueline. She's in Namaridi. She buys honey from there. I've never met her. She has never seen me. She sends her honey to Juba. I send her money back to, to Maridi, and we have been you know, trading like that for the last two years. So it's about trust. Mulik Berkana explained the different types of fellowships, programs available to students interested in joining business world. For the International Visitor Leadership Program that each of them traveled on recently to the United States, uh, that, that actually requires a nomination. Uh, Matata, you mentioned that someone at the embassy had nominated you. Yeah. So we have a variety of exchange programs that we offer through the embassy. Birkana says the Young African Leaders Initiative Program is another avenue students can take. That's called the Young African Leaders Initiative, and uh, there's a lot of information about that online. But in brief, uh, there's different um, parts of YALI. Uh, this is a, an exchange program started by uh, then-President uh, Barack Obama back in 2010. And it's continued throughout administrations. It's still a, a program that we have, uh, we administer every year here. Uh, there's uh, the YALI Network, which is online, and you can learn a lot of resources. I think you can take online classes. Uh, there's a regional center for YALI in Nairobi. The U.S. Embassy in Juba hosts a variety of programs and conversations through Facebook live chats from the American corner inside the University of Juba in Hysora. Those conversations are free for anyone to attend. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai in Juba.
You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, chief spies of Sudan and Ethiopia discuss counter-terrorism. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... Is wealth an important factor when making marriage decisions? Uh, wealth is not an important factor when making marriage decisions because most wealth is best acquired when you're together as a couple. Of course. I think that any decision that involves another person, that's only fair to include wealth as, a, as an important thing. Like, I can live on almost no money, but I couldn't expect my wife or my children to. Uh, not wealth, but security, financial security. Because if you're planning to have kids, then you need to provide for them. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Lenore Moudou. During this pandemic, the World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say if you have a fever, a cough, or have trouble breathing, you should stay home and contact a healthcare facility. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest health news. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Two envoys in South Sudan are calling on the UN Security Council to lift arms embargo imposed on South Sudan. The Eritrean and Chinese ambassadors in South Sudan say lifting the arms embargo on the country would pave the way for effective peacekeeping by the newly graduated Unified Forces. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. Speaking at Malakal Stadium, where 9,559 necessary unified forces graduated on Monday, Johannes Tekle Michael, the Eritrean ambassador to South Sudan, described the ceremony as a historical milestone. He also used the event to call on Security Council to lift the arms embargo on South Sudan, saying... It would pave the way for effective peacekeeping by the necessary unified forces. There were uh, hanging sticks. Today also we are witnessing their hanging sticks instead of guns. At this golden opportunity, I call all African countries in particular and the international community in general to lift sanctions from this beautiful country so that they will be able to carry a gun and keep the peace of this beautiful country. Speaking at the same event, 
Mahao echoed the Legion ambassador's call to lift the arms embargo on South Sudan as well as targeted sanctions on South Sudanese individuals. China stands ready. The world is the international community to make more contributions to promoting the peace process in South Sudan, including calling on the UN Security Council to lift the arms embargo and targeted sanctions against South Sudan so as to help unify forces to build and strengthen themselves to provide reliable and durable peace in the whole country. Major General Charles Tai Gitwai, the interim chairperson of the reconstituted Joint Monitoring and Evaluation Commission, urged the newly graduated unified forces to exercise discipline in order to deliver peace to the people of South Sudan. Militaries are loyal to the state, to the constitution, and to the republic. Your loyalty, therefore, is not based on where you have come from or who has been leading you. Once you are unified now, you are one force and a one commander-in-chief, and we expect you to be able to know that you are to protect the state, to protect the people of South Sudan. It's not to fight the people of South Sudan. You are supposed to be friends of the people of South Sudan. Civilians are supposed to be respected by you, not for you to make them afraid of yourselves. Gitai also emphasized the need for South Sudanese leaders to unite and work for sustained peace in the country. We also want the invocation of the leadership as well, so that we move forward to implement this agreement as expected. We would like to see this roadmap fully followed to the letter and spirit. On Monday, 9,559 necessary unified forces graduated in Malakal. The forces were drawn from the Peace Party's armed forces. The forces include police officers, soldiers, civil defense officers, wildlife wardens, and prison wardens. Over the last three years, at least 59 personnel have died while training in Upper Nile State for VOA News. I am Sheila Oponi in Juba. Still on security matters, Sudanese and Ethiopian officials agreed on Sunday to increase intelligence sharing on counterterrorism and other criminal activities to combat organized crimes in the two countries. Michael Atit reports for VOA from Khartoum. The director of Ethiopia's National Intelligence and Security Services, Temesgan Tirune Dinku, wrapped up a two-day visit on Sunday in Khartoum, where he held talks with his Sudanese counterpart, Ahmad Ibrahim Mufaddal. A statement shared by the media department of Sudan's presidential palace says the talks dealt with the developing relations between the two intelligence agencies to ensure peace and security in the two countries and the region. The two parties agreed to cooperate in the field of joint training and sharing of experiences, enhance joint efforts in combating terrorism, organize crimes and transient economic crimes, and address the issues of nationals of the two countries, read the statement. Khalifa As-Sadiq is a Sudanese analyst. He says the agreement could improve stability along the border and the region. As Sadiq says, Ethiopia could be working in improving its relationship with Sudan. Sudan has been accused on several occasions of accommodating the TPLF rebel groups, but after this peace agreement, there is no more room for accusations. On November 2nd, the Ethiopian government and Tigray forces agreed in South Africa on a cessation of hostilities, ending a conflict believed to have killed hundreds of thousands and displaced millions.
Sadiq says the security agreement between the two countries is what he calls a good step for both nations. There have been expectations of escalation along the border between the two countries, but after the signing of the peace agreement, I don't think it's the case anymore. I expect both sides to remain committed to what has been signed on sharing of security information, and it is for the benefit of both countries to have a secure and safe border without any problems. Sudan and Ethiopia have both claimed a border area of Al-Fashaga, which created tensions between the two countries in 2021. Abdul Munem Abu Idris, a Sudanese journalist focusing on Horn of Africa Affairs, says the security agreement could pave the way for resolving the dispute over Al-Fashaga. This agreement can open the window uh, to solve the issue of the border of Fashaga uh, and also it will pass uh, the road for more uh, facilitates the talk about about the Syrian rice and dams. Uh, and I think if this agreement agreement uh, improve and implement according to what has been announced, it can uh, make a big progress in Sudan-Ethiopian relations. The Ethiopian intelligence chief briefed the deputy head of the Transitional Sovereignty Council, General Mohammed Hamdan Dogolo, on the latest development in his country, including the peace deal with the TPLF. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit. In Khartoum. And now for some spot news. Cameroon will play Switzerland Thursday, November 24th in the first match for both teams at the FIFA World Cup football tournament in Qatar. Sunny Yang spoke with VOA colleague Mokbil Yabaro about Cameroon's top players. The team's chances against the Swiss and group opponents Serbia and Brazil, and the leadership role of Samuel Ito, the four-time African Footballer of the Year, who is the president of the Cameroonian Football Federation. Sporty World Cup greetings, Mukbill. Sporty World Cup greetings to you too, Sonny. Muckbill, the indomitable lions of Cameroon, can be described as the World Cup flag bearers for Africa. They've qualified for the World Cup eight times, more than any other African team. And they were the first African team to reach the World Cup quarterfinals, doing so at Italy 1990. But Muckbill, that was 32 years ago. And Cameroon hasn't advanced out of the group stage since. For Qatar 2022, Cameroon is in Group G with Serbia, Switzerland, and five-time World Cup champion Brazil. Muckbill, who are the players to watch for Cameroon in Qatar? Sonny, I'll have to start off with Eric Maxim Chupmoting, the Bayern Munich forward, who's top 10 in scoring in the Bundesliga at the moment. He will bring that firepower that the Cameroonian side needs. He also played with PSG in the past season and possesses a lot of experience that the team can benefit from. Next, I'd like to go with the captain, Vincent Abubakar, who has scored the third most goals in Cameroonian history, only behind Samuel Eto'o and Francois Oman Biak. With these two scorers, it'll give any defense a tough day. 
Lastly, another key player to watch would be Inter Milan's goalkeeper, Andre Onana. Having a reliable goalkeeper playing in one of the toughest club leagues is something that will be very valuable for the Cameroonian side. Muckbill, I understand some Cameroonian fans criticized some of the selections for their World Cup team. What's your reaction? Sonny, Cameroon is one of those African nations that have the luxury of having too many elite players. So when a big name is left out, it'll be a question from the fans of that player in specific. With having Samuel Eto'o at the very top and coach Rigerberg's song, it is very difficult to argue with their selection, especially knowing their past experiences as football legends for the country. Muckbill, Cameroon will kick off its World Cup campaign November 24th when it plays Switzerland. The Swiss lost to Ghana 2-0 on November 17th in a friendly World Cup warm-up match in Abu Dhabi. Muckbill, I'm guessing Cameroon must have scouted that friendly? Sonny, the interesting thing about friendlies, especially ones that are this close to the beginning of the tournament, is that most teams won't play their top guys to avoid injuries. It'll mainly be the younger players or the reserves that the coaches want to see in order to get them in their team's rotation. But I don't feel like that Swiss side was the side that we will be seeing as a whole unit. There's some players that might have needed to get some reps in that will be on the pitch as starters. A win against the Swiss would almost, and I say almost guarantee the Cameroonians get out of the group, but all they really need is a draw. Muckbill, the indomitable Lions will play Serbia on November 28th and wrap up group play against world number one Brazil on December 2nd. How do you see those matches? Sonny, I feel like the indomitable Lions have a great shot in this group. If they come out strong against Serbia in their second match, it'll give them some much-needed momentum to play Brazil in their toughest matchup to finish off the group stages. As we've seen, Eric Maxim Chipmoting is in form right now and could score against almost any team if the right ball is played anywhere near his strike zone. So it'll be fun to watch, Sonny. Muckbill, four-time African Footballer of the Year, Samuel Eto, has been in charge of the Cameroonian Football Federation for almost a full year. Eto participated in four World Cups as a player. How do you view his leadership role in Qatar? Sonny, there is nothing but respect for Samuel Eto. Arguably the biggest star to have ever put on a Cameroonian jersey. And I feel like his expertise and leadership will be seen in this tournament. I also like Cameroon's group chances because although there is a clear favorite for the group, with that being Brazil, the second slot is for the taking. It all just depends on who wants it the most. All these teams have got to bring it every single game. And that's all for me, Sonny. Back to you. Thanks, Muck Bill. That's my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro, speaking with us here in Washington. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. 
That's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. When I'll leave you with the song Junubia by Mawa. song Junubia. I'm your host John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Shukuru Rabuna, who will you more? I'm a